Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Enterprise Sales Development Podcast, brought to you by Science Technologies. We interview outbound leaders at fast growth businesses to learn their secrets and bring you actionable insights. Thanks for joining us this week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Enterprise Sales Development. I'm your host, Eric Quanstrom, the CMO at Science. I'm laughing a little bit because this was a really fun episode for me. And I'm going to apologize in advance because both myself and our our guest today, we're both fast talkers. So if you're listening to this on 1.5x speed, um, you may want to actually slow it down. So today, we got the pleasure of speaking with Alex Roy, a sales development leader over at Drift, a company you're probably familiar with because they're one of the leading conversational marketing tools on the market today. In fact, we jump into that topic and we explode it, if you will, of how to basically do better inbound-led outbound, something that a lot of you listening may or may not be excelling at, thinking about prioritizing in your outbound currently. Alex is, is a guy that came up through the ranks prior to Drift. He was over at Brainshark and is an individual that also kind of went the management route of you know sales development as opposed to like the end goal of AE and actually selling into the sales cycle. You're going to hear a lot of his wisdom developed along those lines in this interview. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here's Alex. And I'm back with Alex Roy. Alex, real pleasure to have you today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Alex is... um currently senior manager of sales development over at Drift. And probably fair to say that you guys are regarded as the industry lead, leader in, you know, kind of conversational tech or what, what a lot of people think of as like, you know, chat, chat bots. Yeah, there's a lot of terms behind it. Conversational marketing definitely is something that we at Drift like to think we coined that term, but there's so much more to conversational sales and service that we delve into and we love talking about it. So that's exactly why we're here. That's exactly. Well, and I want to talk about um, kind of like the, I want to look under the the covers, if you will, and and into what I think is actually a gap area for a lot of people practicing kind of like outbound and sales development. Mm-hmm. And that is not taking advantage of conversational marketing tools and running almost like inbound-led outbound campaigns. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people, and this is super common, so you know, if somebody's listening and this is your motion, I think that's totally fine. A lot of people rely on that inbound, maybe like the form fill that you're waiting for somebody to click on enough things on the website to become a qualified lead. And then hopefully they're interested enough in filling out a form. But what we at Drift like to talk about all the time is like, there's so much more that goes into it when you have that ability to engage with somebody right there on your website. And I think like you and I are can talk about how we can use that to outbound even. You don't have to be waiting and sitting behind a chat bot to wait for a lead, right? Um, there's so much more to, to conversational marketing and conversational sales that can make or break an SDR's month in just being intuitive enough to use the intel that you're gathering from a tool like Drift or other leading conversational marketing platforms and jump on that opportunity when somebody comes to your website, even if it's for their first time. Well, and I think that it probably starts with mindset, doesn't it? Like having the perspective that this is going to be something that I integrate with any campaign that I'm going to run. Totally. Isn't that where it has to start? It totally is. Like I I use a lot of um, fishing analogies when I even speak with my SDRs. And I, I like people to look at Drift is not like 
your only fishing rod and that's what you're using for your inbound and outbound, but it's, it's another rod in the water, right? And it's like, it's another potential bucket to land people in and to not trap them in, but like to have that conversation. And I think it has to be integrated into your outbound campaigns. So if the marketing team is leading a new campaign and somebody comes to the website, they need to be greeted and more importantly, greeted in context. This is what brought to our website to you to our website today. Like, thank you so much. We'd love to have you talk to somebody further about what garnered your interest in the first place, rather than. And this is a little bit of a, a higher level, but rather than high general site visitor today, what brings you here? You know, some people may have that. So it's it really is about greeting with context and trying to roll out that red carpet experience from even that first click on an ad campaign. Well, and tell me if I um, say anything that you don't agree with here, but doesn't every one of those clicks represent some form of intent, some form of a prospect's curiosity, some form of a prospect's kind of like getting to know that brand or wanting to get to know that brand further? Absolutely. Um, One would even argue like the general keyword searches on the the third party intent is is already intent, right? Yep. I heard about this concept of conversational marketing or chatbots. And that's already intent when I'm starting to, as a prospect, Google these sorts of things, right? Then you click on one thing, you're already establishing intent. And one thing we like to talk about, especially at Drift, is 70%, um, and I forget the source on this, but 70% of all the research when buying a B2B software is done before they even land on your site or like get to actually engage with somebody through the site, right? Yeah, having serious decisions. Yes, thank you. Yes, right. Before having that uh, first conversation. So like those first clicks are so crucial. That's when they're really laying the groundwork of what are we looking for? What are our requirements? Maybe they're developing an RFP or anything, but like, you want that seat at the table when that RFP is put down and saying, we're looking for a software here. If you can be that trusted consultant, if you will, right off the bat, they're going to remember that. And the the first person to engage with them leaves a very, very highly regarded name in their mind to go after once they've made a decision, this is what we're going to spend our budgeting on this year. We remember Drift or we remember this company to greet us immediately. That goes a long way. Well, you're you're throwing a lot of like marketing kind of what I would almost call commandments um, forward, which sure. is branding, name recognition, you know, like <laughs> first yeah. to engage as I know those aren't always top of mind for sales, but for marketers of the world, like these are thou shalt not violate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The commandments for sure. You have to be the first to the table and and have to provide context there too. It can't just be a a generalized message, or you're just going to be regarded as another nurture email that was sent to thousands of people. You know, it really is about when they land on that site for the first time, how is that person being greeted? And then how quickly are you providing them with what they need, whether that's questions answered or a route to a salesperson if they want to have that conversation. And that is what conversational marketing is all about, is is greeting and then understanding what they're there for and then recommending a proper next step. Right. And adding value to what is rightfully called the buyer's journey. Absolutely. That's it right there. Um, if I, have a as a buyer, can get on a website and not feel like they had to jump through hoops, click on 10 pages, because I, as a consumer, a personal consumer, know that if I'm on a site and I don't get my answer within five seconds, I'm going to the next page, right? I'm gone. 
So You're same out. thing goes when I'm researching things as a business buyer. And if I can leave that site experience with at least my questions answered, if not a next step and not having to wait days for someone then to reach back out to me, that's where we go from conversational marketing to conversational sales, right? Like we garnered the interest, we set the next steps, and now I'm already in the door with their sales team. I'm not having to wait for a sales development rep to reach out now that I've already made my decision five or six days later, or even worse, I've lost the interest because I was highly interested and now 10 other things got on my plate. As we all know, this is just how it happens. We don't wait around for budgeting season to make these decisions. I'm fond of saying that most um, prospects or most would-be buyers are subject to the three Bs kind of like all the time. They're busy, bombarded, and bewildered, Um, (laughs) right? Right. Because name me an executive and I'll show you exactly how they fit into all three of those buckets pretty much on the regular. And all I need to do is look at their calendars to kind of like validate that assumption. (laughs) No, absolutely. I mean, if I ever look into a software personally for the sales development team, it's it's when I do have a second, right? right. It's on my time. It's never like, if I'm good enough at, at managing my day, maybe sure, I'll block off an hour to research uh, companies. But man, this could be 9 p.m. at night, right? This yep. could be 6 a.m. in the morning. Um, could be right after I finished up lunch early. And if I'm not greeted in the same way as if I walked into a store with a trusted consultant there to walk me through a product that I'm looking for. I may get confused. I may get flustered. I may get frustrated and and never walk into that store again or, you know, in the in the world of SaaS, click on that website. Right. Right. And and again, this is like that kind of like overlap where I I, I have in my own mind kind of a Venn diagram that that says, hey, marketing typically will always own the website of whatever company that any of our listeners are working for at the time. And then sales is is typically, especially if they're running outbound sales in a sales development motion, more often than not, that rolls up through the sales unit, or at least it feeds into sales in 100% of the cases. And yet those two are oftentimes, this is probably where the gap like is at its widest, is it not? It it absolutely is, yeah. It absolutely is. And this is where I think like a conversational marketing, conversational sales tool is crucial because there is such a gap there. And oftentimes when we're speaking with sales leaders, even to selling to sales leaders with Drift, we will be told, oh, this is something to do with our website, marketing, immediately thrown over to marketing, right? But like what we're pitching is actually the fact that your sales folks will not have to be as reliant on hoping that somebody crosses that lead threshold gets their data cleaned, gets handed to you about two to three days later, and then you're already on a rat race trying to chase these people down, right? Like if you can use a conversational marketing tool, however you integrate that into your tech stack and give your salesperson an at-bat the second somebody lands on their website, that is super, super valuable and could be the difference in getting that extra opportunity in a quarter or for the SDR, another opportunity uh, for their monthly goal or however you have it or a meeting goal And then furthermore, what a lot of people think of conversational marketing is just what we've talked about so far. But there's also this this other layer of like the the clicks you mentioned at the beginning. All of that is being tracked similar to a marketing automation platform and how they derive your information. But it's grading them in a sense of like, how engaged is this account yet? Are they already down the line? Have they maybe made a decision similar to your third-party intent data providers like Sixth Sense and Babora? But what a conversational marketing tool will allow the 
uh, salesperson to do is before they go and select their cold accounts to go after for the month or the quarter, maybe incorporate that engagement data to say these people are a bit warmer. Yes, they're still cold. They haven't exactly filled a form out yet or attended one of your webinars, but they've done enough to show you there's there's some ripples in the water there. And that will allow these people to redirect and augment their outbound efforts in order to pepper this company more, stay relevant, give more data to them. And then look, they just became an inbound through your outbound efforts, right? Like it is it is a, a circle in my mind. Outbound generates inbound and then it gives you better direction of where to go within that company. I almost want to take a quick step back and pause that moment because what you just said was, in my opinion, a huge, huge, massive insight in that we want to look at any buyer's journey on a continuum. Maybe for the the one thing that you didn't say, but I think you fundamentally agree with, which is, isn't everything that we're talking about better for the prospect done this way? Yeah, I, w- I would absolutely say so. And that's where one of our value drivers comes from at Drift, at least, is like, yes, can we accelerate the deal cycle through getting somebody in the door quicker? Sure. Can we generate more revenue potentially through getting more people involved much quicker through these conversations? Absolutely. But the third one is creating a better customer experience on the website. Uh, I walk away from that engagement feeling way better, feeling like I can trust this company versus uh, I just got thrown into a bucket and SDR1 is going to be emailing me on a cold outreach template. And they don't really take the time to actually understand where I'm from or why I'm there in the first place. So you're right. Like I think it's just the prospect feels better on how they were greeted. And then they feel like they can trust that company more, being that they were engaged in such a personalized fashion. Yeah. And I think that the example that you talked about just a minute ago of, you know, kind of when when this happens in silos and the marketing lead, you know, kind of gets transferred over to sales at some point, it to me, the biggest friction point there is what is natural decay. You know, like I agree with you. I think most buy cycles are are random, ad hoc, and unplanned. You yeah. know, like right. it is when when you have a second, it's doing that research kind of like on the <laughs> When my schedule allows it. Yeah. <laughs> or when I got interested, right? Absolutely. In like solving that particular problem at that spur of the moment. It totally is. I mean, hell, we have people on doing research on us like through Forrester that we have a, a great report out there that shows the second you leave that website, if you're not contacted within five minutes, the probability of actually getting in touch with them ever goes down 10x. And that's a scary thought, right? And think and of that's how after it's mid action too, right? Right, right, exactly. That's after I clicked on a few things and and probably didn't fill out a form. Maybe I did, maybe I did, but that form fill typically isn't immediately put on a salesperson's desk. That data is cleansed. It takes a while to make sure. Did we actually get a form fill? Was it a bot? Was it spam? Okay, now the salesperson gets it. So both there's there's a coinciding natural decay that you talked about with time and interest. You know, think yeah. of that that slope going down, and then also unless you have an extremely, extremely tight handhold between sales and marketing, and you can provide context to that salesperson right away and say, this is what they clicked on here. And here's why they were interested. And here's what I would do if I was reaching out to them. That salesperson may take their own stab at it. And it may be bland. It may be cookie cutter. And that doesn't feel good for the prospect either. Because they may have even put some really good information in your form or 
you know, chatted with a chatbot and gave some really good stuff. And then if they got a generic, a generic, hey, thanks so much for coming to our website today and filling out a form, when can we talk? Like that, that just feels like I should have just pulled a ticket in the deli line at, at that point, you know, yeah. rather than I'm talking to somebody who's truly interested in understanding why I'm here and what problems they can solve for me. That's a really interesting perspective. So take us inside like the the drift kind of like halls or the drift, you know, SDR operations and mm-hmm. how you guys are are taking these principles forward in yep. each of the campaigns that you run. Yeah. So we have a we have an account base, you know, we have an ABM model that we run over here with the SDRs where they have target accounts uh, alongside their AEs that they are supporting. And alongside our unowned or our inbound accounts that are not owned by an AE and they're they're part of the greater population, they are responsible for outbounding into companies to generate new logos. And with that, where when I was an SCR without a conversational marketing platform, I may have started my day by just going through these accounts, grabbing 10 people from each of them, throwing them into a sequence or a cadence, and then just hoping that something stuck. What I try and direct our SDR team is before you even, sure, you want to check your hand raiser buckets. You want to make sure our, our number one converting chatbot experiencers or anything like that are hottest inbounds. I want them checking that first. But the next, very next thing I want them doing is going into something like Drift Prospector, which is essentially a newsfeed of all that first party intent that maybe they didn't become a marketing lead yet, but there were clicks two hours ago from a particular company. And when you go into that meeting with your AE, bring that data with you and say, hey, Mr. or Ms. AE, I know you have some great companies. You may even have a warm contact over there. That's great. We had people clicking on our website from this account two minutes ago or two hours ago. That's going to ring the ears of the AE and their, their ears will perk up and say, wow, let's okay, let's augment, let's shift, let's go after these people. So I think that's like incredible stuff to do. And then also work that into you know some extra accounts that you want to go after throughout your day. Now, one big thing, and I'm not sure if we mentioned this already, that I do not want people using a conversational marketing tool for, you don't put this up in a window and then stare at it and then wait for somebody to come to the website. It's, it's a screen that's there. It's a window that's open, but you will get pinged ideally through a desktop notification or a text message or whatever if somebody is there, right? You still want to go and do your outbound motion as an SDR. Do what you do best. Get on the phones, create personalized emails, all the while, hopefully, either getting a meeting or driving interest to your website. Bang, that person you just cold called and had a great email to is now on the website checking you out. And now you can jump all over that. And you have so much personalized context to greet them within that chat. And that's what's important, right? It's like it's speed and personalization. I and I understand there's a tension there where quantity versus quality, we always talk about that. And it's it's impossible to do both 100%. But right. I think that's the good mix right there is you have the speed available because you will get pinged the second some com- someone comes to your site. But you are doing the majority of your work as researching this company's 10K, finding some good nuggets in what the CRO said. And then furthermore, putting that into an email, maybe dropping that on a cold call. Um, Yes, the number one goal as a SCR is to book those meetings, but it's the long game. It is about generating inbound leads that will ultimately become fruitful for you maybe at the end of the month, but not when you got them on the phone that random Tuesday. So that pairing 
is what an a drift SDR at least uses to be very successful. It's the difference of a good week versus making President's Club at the end of the year because they got those extra meetings in the books because they did the work up front and they capitalized it on the point of highest intent. You know, that doesn't surprise me at all. And and some of the other themes that I heard coming out in the descriptor of how your team rolls. And, you know, I should also contextualize contextualize this by saying, like, you guys are regarded as, as one of the best in the business. You know, like, this is not like um, you're struggling to figure out zero to one here. <laughs> like, sure. this is a, a high performance team. But the themes that I heard were a lot of, like, dynamic process, mm-hmm. agile, you know, kind of like ways of, of sure. doing SDR work or flexible ways of doing share work. Would you agree yeah. with that? I would. I would. Um, agile is is super important because you could be in the middle of writing an email and getting a ping that somebody's on the on the website or in a one-on-one with myself. And yeah, the expectation is actually to drop that and go attack that. You know, you do want to that's that's a very finite point of time that you could potentially get in touch with that person. Yes, my expectation is sure, jump off of Zoom with me go get that meeting, right? Um, so agile for sure. Dynamic, you mentioned. And one thing I didn't mention is like, we like to use video. We have Drift Video as a, a product of ours, but I think it's important regardless. Like you should be using video to try and at least get the attention of somebody, jump off the page, jump off that inbox rather than immediately going into the trash. Um, you want like that thumbnail to jump off the page rather than seeing the third email in a row from a marketing campaign with bullets on the page. And I know they're not relevant to me. So I'm immediately, but if I have somebody waving to me in a thumbnail with my name in it and a company and like uh, a company logo and a very compelling headline that actually relates to me, yes, I'm going to click on that. So it is like that omni touch approach. You can send those videos through email, through social and, and just spice it up a little bit. That's the expectation. And if we are revered as that that market leader, we have to continue to innovate the prospecting approach. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like we can't be that marketing leader that took three hours to get to somebody. Like that completely goes against what we it, it it does create a little bit of a pressure for the SDRs. I will say because it is the expectation. Like you cannot fall off if you're um, if yeah. you are the the University of Alabama in college football. You cannot be beaten. You know and and uh, that we we can't be caught in a screenshot and then put on LinkedIn saying, look how long it took for Drift to get back to us, right? Right. You have to remain agile. You have to keep it personalized, keep it innovative. Otherwise, you will become stale and you're not practicing what you preach. Well, that's just, I mean, super healthy habits. And who wouldn't want to be the Alabama of... Right. You know, right. <laughs> yeah, you have to be. You have to be. You got to be the the Alabama, the Coca Cola, the you know whatever you want to look at it as. You you got to strive to that within your prospecting motion, and you have to also come off with a bit of a an air around you and saying like we are the number one leader. Like even if you're starting up, right? That yeah. that I think that's important too. That confidence. It's not a cockiness. It's not an arrogance, but a confidence like creates the social leverage when you're engaging with somebody. I know we're kind of going in a different direction here. But like, I think that's important too for newer SDRs, for for veteran SDRs is to come off of the confidence that your company, your solution is the market leader. Mm-hmm. And that way you're coming at it as a trusted consultant and not begging for time from somebody. You're not 
please take the chance and take 10 minutes on my calendar, like for no reason. Like it should be, hey, we have a really good thing here that can help you. How about we take the time to explore where we can solve these particular problems that you mentioned to me? Because I believe that we are the number one tool to do that. Right. You know, and it's funny when you unpack that or peel the layers off, there's already tons and tons and tons. And I, I see it in my inbox and get it on my phone every single day of people that are have no problem telling them all, telling me all about themselves. <laughs> I like to call it me, me, me. Yeah. Yeah. But what you're saying is actually subtly different. It's basically a confidence born and you use the word consultant, which I find really um, quite accurate in mm. successful engagements. Because what is a consultant there to do? A consultant is always there to consult, to yeah. advise, to yeah. perform kind of like analyses and read back to the business that they work for, essentially what they may be doing wrong or could be optimizing or, you know, yeah, could be better at. Yeah. I think there's like, if you look at the social dynamic of a sale, it's often feels like we're sitting on two different sides of the table from one another. And one is trying to convince the other, whether it's the buyer trying to convince them that they're not the right solution or the seller. That's the wrong dynamic. Right. You want to be on the other side of the table with them. Like, yeah. You want to be that awkward date at the restaurant that sits on the same side of the table as your buyer, right? <laughs> but what they'll feel rather than is, is being told, yes, you need to explore us as a solution. It's, you know, we can help you here. We can we can hold the hand and bring you to the, the solution. And I think if you can do that after, and I want to be very clear, after gaining the trust that you've done your research, you've done the personalization because none of mentioning your own company or you as an, a salesperson should come unless you've already shown, I know your problems. I've looked under the hood. I've spoke to other people. And here's what people are saying. And here's what you are saying. Here's how we can come in. So like, yeah. I want to be clear, in a, in a prospecting email, it should be all about them for the first 40 to 60% of that email. And yeah. then and only then talk about when you when you can step in and that i think is how you develop that consultant style relationship rather than you need to take the meeting with me because i know you got an issue that's right. not going to that's that other that one to one side of the table again i couldn't agree with that anymore and in fact i think that that's a good healthy forcing function to say hey first half of that email it better be all about the person you're writing to yeah right if you have an i or a we at the beginning of your email, take it out, right? Yeah. Like move or move it, move it way down. Yeah. Um, because you're not showing, you're just showing that you're looking to get to your number at that point. You're not showing that you have a, an actual tailored solution. It, you may come off almost as, Hey, I need another meeting this month. And I'm hoping that you're the fish that bites, right? <laughs> yeah. Commission breath is the halitosis that carries across. Oh my gosh, you couldn't have put it any better. You know, it's nothing more off-putting than opening an email on the the 29th or the end of the quarter, thinking maybe this could help, and then just feeling that that ick of of commission breath, and you want to avoid that for sure. Well, you know, you brought up a really important something that I definitely you know believe in kind of wholeheartedly, and that is same side of the table thinking. Mainly because what ends up happening if you have that dynamic or that kind of like rubric in mind, oh, I'm sitting on the same side of the table as the person I'm, you know, prospecting. Yeah. What you're 
then creating is a dynamic where you're sharing a perspective. You're yeah. looking at a problem together Absolutely. rather than, again, me versus you or me at talking at you. Right. Uh, which produces a lot of like unintended consequences, doesn't it? No, it totally does. And I think to elaborate on that point of we're looking at this from two different perspectives, but trying to improve the common situation is ultimately we talk about champion selling within a within a company all the time. And I think that actually doesn't start after the demo or after the discovery call. It could start within that initial contact, right? And I think if you establish that relationship as an SDR, they're going to then go back to their meeting where they were about to start the exploration into tools and start that internal selling that you hope your best champions will do when you get off the phone. They will say, hey, this company really left a mark on me. And I believe that they know what they're talking about. They took a vested interest to understand our problems. And like it's, it's already happening there. You may have not even had a discovery call with them yet. But if they have that feeling, they're willing to explore you even further. And then, I mean, hopefully, you're, you have them locked in in terms of interest. And then your product comes over the top with its features, its benefits, and its values. And you've knocked them out of their seats at that point. Right. But it doesn't start after the demo. It starts with that initial contact. Yeah, I think that you're bringing up some dynamics that, that to me, are really underappreciated um, in the sales cycle. and. You know, when I think about like competitive win-loss rates or, you know, just raising your overall, now I'm, I'm kind of talking about like the sales cycle itself. Yeah. But I think about a lot of the dynamics of when you get closed lost or especially to a competitor, when you get ghosted and it's, you know, just an inactive account forced to mark as closed lost, or you get the polite kind of like, you know, lost for pricing reasons or whatever. Sure. The seeds of of those losses were actually probably sown from those first interactions, weren't they? Yeah, I would absolutely say so. That polite one will probably come if you if you gave them that generic uh, approach. I really do think so. If you, they'll they'll never give you the critical feedback because I don't think you took enough effort to understand them. So why would they take the effort to provide you with the critical feedback as to why the deal was actually lost? The golden rule: alive and well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's right. It does go both ways. And I think just it, that will resonate with you uh, with you as a buyer. If you feel that, you will then provide more information about your company. You will provide more availability to have a conversation to, to lock in that discovery call. If you feel that you're being approached from a consultative point of view and not one of commission breath that we're talking about. Well, I, I, I may have this wrong, but I think it was Dale Carnegie that said close to a century ago, interested is interesting. And yeah. um, it and is. It's maybe one of the most truisms about human nature that I've ever, like, you know, kind of <laughs> seen in my entire life. And and that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Like, if if I feel like a number, if I feel like a, you know, like there just wasn't the time put in, or you know, I I'm just like everybody else in yeah. a buy cycle. It's a completely different subconscious feeling and memory state than when I feel special. When I feel it's, heard, when I feel absolutely. understood. You know, I think in management and leadership, we talk about em empathy all the time, but taking a vested interest in actually being empathetic in your prospects and their problems and, and what they're running into, and maybe even furthermore on a personal standpoint, why they weren't able to make that meeting because they had to go pick up their kids, dropping a little bit about that when you reestablish uh, contact with them 
could be the reason why they come back and not continue to ghost you down the line. Right. Yeah. I um, listen. So you have to, be, you have to listen and, and practice that empathy that you would as if it were your colleague, not be able to make a meeting or um, just not interested in the moment in, in, in participating in this project. Like you have, like, that's when you're on the same side of the table as them rather than, okay, that's, that's stunk that your, your kid's sick. Uh, when can you get on? Like, when can we do the meeting? That feels awful. You know what I mean? Now I'm not saying, you know, you have to be constantly sending get well cards and, and everything to your prospects. I think it's very nice, but just showing a, an ounce of, em- of empathy there and not trying to barrel through to your number could actually get you there quicker. Yeah. What you're really talking about, and I think that there's a thread of commonality around a lot of the great advice that you've given, is the details matter. The small little details in in everything that we do here, especially in sales development, they really matter. I make a joke and, you know, not to get into the the detail of it, but I, I think back to the, the office with Michael Scott, right? And he used to have little notes on the back of his index cards, his lead cards about that person. Now, were these notes the greatest notes? No, but it showed that he was taking an effort because he knew, he knew, although he was, he could be a dope sometimes and he definitely spoke out of line and, and was very, very inappropriate at times. He knew that personal things were 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 good and they actually extended the conversation and you know in his way in his own way yeah he could be insufferable at times to listen to because you have that that embarrassment that secondhand embarrassment to hear him speak to somebody but you know if you take a look back like that branch of of Dunder Mifflin was one of the best performing ones and and he ran a lot of that groundwork in personal empathy and I think like it, I think that show did a really good job of like, okay, don't go about it this way. But there is an underlying theme of like, hey, you need to take interest in your buyers and you need to learn about them a little bit rather than they are buyer number 126 of the month, you know? Yeah. Cringy, Super. but he cares. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's exactly <laughs> who his character is. And, you know, if, take the cringe out of your own approach and and really take like bring in that caring and then make it personalized. You know, don't get... Two in the weeds with it, but like that small thing in an email, a PS, a small PS, or something you drop in a voicemail while they're not able to make it, rather than immediately looking for more time, showing that vested interest will get you that call back. It will get you that meeting back on the calendar. Yeah. Wow. This has been quite the uh, fun conversation. Sure. And I feel like I could kind of go on and on all day. Um, for those, in the audience who might want to connect with you, Alex, might want to check out Drift, might want to just even talk uh, shop about, you know, kind of some of the sales development strategies you've got going on. Where should they go? I'm on LinkedIn. You know, my email is very simple. It's just my first initial last name. So A-R-O-Y at Drift. I love talking with fellow SDR leaders, even SDRs who are looking to up their game. But I always say when I get on a conversation with SDR leaders, whether it's in a buying cycle here over at Drift or if it's just off the record and we want to connect, it's great to just have a conversation with SDR leaders, talk shop, and try to understand what their formula looks like for success and then compare that to what we're trying to strive for success. Because I do always tee off those conversations of none of us have it down because if we did we'd all be five million percent of our number and kicking our feet up in the virgin islands you know what i mean but like if we can just like take a little bit 
from each and everybody's approach. Like I'm always game to see what's working for you folks and like what you've tried, because maybe I'm about to try something and you've tried that and you said, no, that's not the right. I love getting that. I love, and hopefully we can provide that. So I'm always open to having those conversations. That's wonderful perspective. It sounds like the student of the game um, type (laughs) of uh, mantra. Not to mention what was working for me as an SDR five years ago certainly doesn't work anymore. It may not even be in five months from now it works. You know, it's constantly evolving too. So it's a moving target. I hear that loud and clear. Well, this has been a wonderful episode. And thank you for, again, your wisdom and insights. Hopefully this is going to be endless playback material for our audience well thank you for having me this was a this was an awesome experience to be here and you know if anybody has questions i'm always open to have a conversation but thank you eric this is an incredible conversation you got it all.